Thank you for joining us on our journey here to preserve the history of mixed martial arts. When I wanted to take on this project, I needed help. I brought in one of my favorite matchmakers, Miguel Iterate, and the MMA detective, Mike Davis. So to do this, we've been able to preserve history. Welcome and enjoy. Okay, welcome back, everybody. Thank you once again. Another deep dive time here, and I'm happy to have another 50 Fight Club member. Not only that, I mean, kind of from the Midwest. Yes, absolutely. Um, around a lot of the areas where a lot of our favorite fighters came from, especially Mr. Mike Davis. Since a lot of his uh, crew came, hailed from this area up in Wisconsin. Uh, the, the great Sam Abbey still fight. How, how the hell are you doing, brother? I'm doing wonderful, my man. Just loving life. And uh, yeah, I, and I'm, I'm a Wisconsin boy like so many of you guys. Uh, now, now I've spent the last decade in California, and now I'm back in Tennessee, so I'm back to the Midwest. You're back in Tennessee. What part? Uh, I'm in Murfreesboro, uh, real close to Nashville. I love it down there, man. I'm, I actually like it quite a bit. Oh, I did too. I fought here five or six years ago and just fell in love with the area. So uh, just uh, plus no state income tax. I don't know if anybody yeah, notices that. But that's, the other thing, that was there, what, seven states in the country that don't have it. And this is, was one of the reasons. Yeah, yeah, of course. Very smart. Chris, Chris, what's the chicken place we always go to when we're driving that way? Hattie B's. Hattie B's. Oh, Hattie man. B's out of Nashville. They got three locations there. Famous Nashville hot chicken. We Every time we drive through, they were like, we got to stop at Hattie B's. I don't know if you've been there, but it's pretty damn good. I, I haven't yet, but uh, I'll get there. Dude, <laughs> legit. And, like, you think, like, you've got, like, some fortitude. You can go and get the super hot chicken. Oh, no. You're never going to survive it. You will man, not. Man, I got one little. One little piece of split and one bite. That was it. Like, I'm out. This is not yeah, we're even fun. <laughs> we went ordered again. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. Yeah. This is no good. But, okay, real quick, Sam, uh, I looked a little bit. I know you football player, uh, wrestler. Was that was that your main sports or did you do anything else? What um, sports did you do growing up, and how did that lead over to fighting? Yeah, honestly, I didn't play many of those sports. I played my junior year of college. I played football. Only year I ever played football. I was going to play. Uh, I got the West Nile virus in high school. Like, I was going to start playing football, and I got the virus. Almost killed me. I mean, there's two weeks of my life I don't remember because of it. Uh, and since I season, I went real heavy into uh, band. I was a band nerd for all of high school. Um, West, band- West Nile was a real thing here? I thought that was, like, in Africa or something. Yeah, me too. So did the time. How'd you get that, man? Did you go travel? No, I was out. On, I was out on the water. I was playing. I was. Uh, I, I grew up on a lake. I, I was uh, skiing and you know tubing all day. I went home, went to bed, woke up the next morning barely. Like I woke up and it was. I was so messed up. I I couldn't yell across the room for my mom to help me. Eventually, she got up and she about. I mean, my my mom carried me. I was a ju- uh, freshman or sophomore in high school. Carried me to the car. <sighs> Uh, yeah, it was, and then it was most of the next two weeks I was in and out of consciousness and it just about got me. Wow. wow. Holy shit. Yeah. Man. So that's out of football and wrestling. Uh, I ev- yeah, I eventually got back into wrestling. Well, junior, senior year of high school and then junior, senior year of college, I wrestled. How do you even do that, man? Because wrestling's not a sport you can just kind of jump into your junior, senior year to me. I mean, that's like, that's, you that's know, weird. I, 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 I thrived in wrestling. I did real, I was a good B team wrestler. I mean, I was never a team, but I was, yeah. I was a good, good guys. Um, it was football that messed me up. I jumped in my junior year of college into football and that, that was a mistake. That what was college? 
that was I got my ass kicked. What, I mean, what college? Uh, I, I was not a good practice dummy for those guys. I, I was just I was just a dummy. <laughs> wow, man. So, so I mean, so, yeah. What college what, did you go to? What was that? What college? Oh, I went to, to Lakeland College, a little D three school in uh, Sheboygan. Okay, man. But that's uh, that's that's nuts, man. I mean, especially just jumping in and starting to uh, that at that time. What made you be like, I'm gonna play football? I mean, my when I was a junior in college, last thing I was doing was playing anything, man. I was uh, I was playing a lot of stuff, but it wasn't good. It was bad. You know, I, I wanted to do it. My, so I went to a, a community college my first two years. Got my associate's degree from there, and. Okay. Uh, really have sports they had a doc i was pretty good at but no, no real sports so i said you know what? i've never done it i'm never gonna get the chance again i'm gonna do it so i went out and i just got it was i shouldn't have done it i, I was with the coach at the end of the season say hey guys i'm not coming back next season and they all laughed we didn't think you were gonna make it through this season <laughs> i mean you could have been a unique guy you could have been the guy who 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 played on the football team in halftime when it was in the marching band too. You know what I mean? That would have been different. But uh, what, what I, instrument did you play? I, I was trumpet. I, I was more like uh, Rudy. That's that's the kind of football player I was. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know, Chris, Chris, no, we had I, kicked I, around getting together the world's toughest band. <laughs> Matt Brown on drums, Drew yeah. Fickett on fiddle, yourself <laughs> on trumpet. And then what, what, did, what, what did Gerald Mearshart play? A saxophone. Saxophone. There we go. I mean, you, you guys might have to heavy metal it up a little bit for Matt Brown, but you know, you got you got the inner workings of the world's toughest band right there. Oh, I'm sitting here. I'm doing my uh, the interview here. I've got piano right in front of me. Uh, okay. I've got a bass right there. I've got my ukuleles over there. I've got the fiddle over there. I, I'm creating a band over over here. You can be the one man band just by himself. Right. Those other people. I'm, I'm proud of you for leaving California and going to Tennessee. To oh, start. so cool, so smart. Oh hey, man. So, so, how did you? How did that transition from you know playing instruments and being a tackling dummy go to you know what? I'm pretty good at taking a beat. I'm going to go fight. Or how did that go? I mean, I knew you had wrestling, but yeah, it was. I had a little bit of wrestling, but I, at this, I've got close to 80 fights, uh, and I've never taken anyone down. I mean, I've never shot. Uh, I, I've got I've got like the fourth highest takedown defense rating in UFC hey. history. Real good at that. But when I first started fighting, that was I you couldn't teach it. I started fighting like before YouTube, so you couldn't really teach yourself how to do jujitsu. So huh. I was just take it down. I lose. So everything I did was don't get taken down. Um, Sam, that's funny. Uh, I I I was a state runner up in wrestling. If you watch my UFC fights. I might have one takedown. Like I just, after I like start liking to punch people, the idea of taking people down lost its interest. So I'm kind of with you, my man. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> you got a lot of knockouts on your career, on your list. I saw. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know, it started as some guy said, "Hey, you want to fight in the cage?" I said, "Sure." I mean, that was really it. It's, I I didn't I didn't know about the UFC until I was probably six and one or seven and one as a professional. Um, what? Yeah, I never. Well, here, wait. It. Let's that frame can't this. be real, Chris. Chris, wait. Let me frame this. This is fantastic. This is so. Sam's first fight is August eleventh, two thousand seven. I was there. It's the what? outdoor. It's the outdoor war. War where he fought John Eldridge. Here's the thing, Sam. You're a fifty fight club member. Being in the fifty fight club member means you've gotten ripped off by a promoter, and you've got a loss on your record. 
that's so unexplainable that it's probably like the guy's best moment of his entire life. This might be it for John Eldridge. <laughs> you qualify is what I'm trying to tell you. The rules of, of MMA. And so it's round one, round one. I ruined uh, I, I mean, his nose was a blood smear across the cage. He fell over and I celebrated. I didn't know you could get back up. So he got back up and the, the round ended. And uh, so if you were at that, it was hot as balls. I mean, it was hot that day. Between, Did you burn your feet on a canvas? I, between rounds, and I wasn't expecting, I'd never been in a cage before. Between rounds, I, and they didn't let my corners into the cage. So I went to the cage. I sat on my butt. I put my feet up against the cage. And I told my wife, girlfriend at the time, and my dad said, hey, ice my feet. So they're spraying water on my feet and putting ice in, in, the, in between the cage, uh, mm. cage uh, on, on my feet for, for round two. Round two came out, and he decided to take me down and just beat the tar out of me. Uh, so, so that was round two. Um, it, it was it, To this day, it was probably the biggest ass kicking I've ever taken in, in any of my fights. Well, it was round two. Yeah, he Had you up- hit that? Were you gassed at the time? Or is that like, oh, my God? Because when you're gassed in a fight, there's nothing you can do. To ha- it's a horrible experience, you know I'm saying? Man, were you just totally gassed after going one round? You know, I don't remember being gassed, but at the time, I might not have known what being gassed is. Um, <laughs> he, he just, he got, it was heavyweight. He was a big boy, and I was not. Um, because, again, some guy just said, you want to fight in the cage? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so, I don't know. I was like 215, and he was 45, 250, somewhere in there. And, uh, yeah, he got on top, and I didn't know what I was doing from that point. I mean, you, you said – somebody just asked you, were you at the fight? Were you walking down the street? How did they get a hold of you to see you want to fight? How did you, I mean, was it the day of? How, how did this come together? And, and why – that's obviously the time before commission because nobody would ever let this happen nowadays. No, pre-commission. I, I thought about how it happened, and I, I don't remember who asked me or if I – at the event or if it was like a week before. I remember it was my, my wife's, my girlfriend's cousin. He was going, and I remember I was there or knew of it because of him. But I don't remember when I got asked. It might have been like backstage. Uh, or at the, <laughs> like, hey, the, the piano player is kind of big. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ask him. Oh, okay. So John Eldridge gets the greatest win of his career, and he never fights again. He's retired on top. He's, he's 1-0. You know, you, know, he, you know, he's at a bar somewhere been like, that could have been me, you know. I beat that guy. Yeah. Look it up. You know, for sure. He Remember, shows his ID, too. <laughs> so, Sam, you go from a August, August 11, 2007. Are you training at this time? No, 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 no. I don't start any sort of training until probably my – second professional fight i pumped out i think i was six and one as an amateur i pumped those out in about four months um, yeah yeah you're, and next, you're not um, training anywhere no no i wasn't i didn't no not at all are um, you doing like weightlifting and cardio just saying i got a fight coming up or are you just kind of going out there and doing it uh, my professional so before my professional fight i had like two months i remember me and my buddy jordan just walked behind us. Uh, we went out to the football field and we were out there every day and we'd bear crawl stuff and we'd sprint. Okay. So we did that before the professional fight, but no, any, no combat. I didn't have anywhere to do any sort of combat, anything. Uh, we, we just, yeah, he and I we were, he was his amateur debut and is going to be my professional debut. We were out at the football field doing bear crawls and crab walks and stuff. 
Chris, and you didn't even know of any like you didn't even know of any gyms around to go to or anything, any MMA places, or know there was good places around. Uh, this is Wisconsin, fifteen years ago or sixteen years ago. There, there were none. Um, there were no. I mean, there were no MMA anything's. Um, <sighs> not where he was at. I was like gonna say there's some good places in Wisconsin, but you didn't not around yet. Guess. What's that? There's some very good. There were some very good places in Wisconsin, just not around you at the time, I guess, because you know no. Dave Strasser knows guy. You know, and just, you yeah, Melly. Uh, yeah. I was I was in weapons, Kobido, so like nunchucks and size and stuff. So after I made my professional debut, I talked to him, Mr. Metz. I said, "Hey, can I do this in your back room? You know, on week." You know, weeknights. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. So we started Metz's Combat Club, uh, where I just had instructor, and I really just made it up as I went. Um, it was, I don't know, a lot of takedown defense and hit the guy real hard kind of stuff. Um, but our man, our gym did really well, really quickly. Our gym became one of the better gyms in the state, and it was wow. just it was whoever I could find to come and fight. Um, if, if you you know you think it's Justice League, I would have been Superman up front, kind of leading the way and not knowing exactly what was happening, but we had, we had some, uh, some really developed themselves under me before I really knew what was happening. You, you think it was just get like getting the right kind of tough, hard nosed guys who were good athletes and wanted to fight. And that's what, why you guys were successful. Yeah. A, a couple of guys had a little bit of wrestling. Uh, and then there was me who, who turns out I hit pretty hard. Uh, so I mean, I mean, I pushed cardio more than just about anything else. And so well, if we don't get tired, they will. And yeah. so I'm, every practice was hard cardio and then we you know get up from bottom or you know we're starting with the double leg or we're doing this or that i i had a basic wrestling workout you know because i had wrestled off and on for a few years um so basic wrestling conditioning stuff like that um but there was no mid hitting there was very little bag hitting um the the guy whose gym it was he was a karate instructor so every now and then he'd come in and he'd run class and this was Deep kick kind of kind of thing um so it was really just kind of backyard prison prison rule uh ufc working. one training oh, yeah. he was yeah. doing ufc one training that's what he was doing rocky four we were i mean it wasn't every now and then it was every day we came and event i mean at one point we had 15 or 20 20 people at the gym under under me i'll say under mr metz um and we were we were winning fights we were going around the state back back then wisconsin had i mean there's 52 weeks in a year. There were 46 weeks had a fight somewhere in Wisconsin. No commission. Um, yeah, they loved it. There. <laughs> no, ever, no rules. You guys. So yeah, that commission came in and it has killed fighting. There's like oh. one or two cards a year, maybe right now. One one more question for you, Mike. Before I sorry, I'm jumping in. Um, what was your, you know, what's your goal? This are you doing it's called it fun obviously you didn't even know about the ufc so you're like hey this is fun or what what i mean did you ever see a goal or anything in mind or just like i just like fighting right now is that kind of what it was that was really it i was in college okay. uh college is boring so i and it was it was really pretty easy i was at uh i was just getting a, a, a bs uh degree i mean just or not a bs not a bs degree i was getting business management degree so i if i showed up to class great if not whatever um, so I had a lot of free time in college. So I just started working out with, uh, you know, lifting weights, pushing stuff around and you know, try, trying to get the next gas money. Um, I had a dozen side jobs and I did a little bit of everything at the time. I mean, you're fighting for poor gas money, maybe a hotel room. 
Um, but I, I got to see all of Wisconsin. I got to meet a whole bunch of people and it, it really developed into something without me meaning for it to. Now, did you bounce or street fight much or were you like more of a student, you know, straight lace kind of guy? I am 0-1 in the street. Uh, so, so I, uh, I not, not much street bounce or street fighting. I didn't start bouncing until I moved to California. Then I bounced at a real, real easy place here in town or there in town. Um, and that, that was, yeah, I didn't do, I, I just enjoyed fighting in the cage. I always said, if I'm getting paid, I'll fight him. I'm not getting paid. I'm not doing it. And that, that was, your, that, I had a lot of fights where I didn't get paid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can we hear your own one in the street story? Would, would you share it with us? Yeah. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So th- th- I was actually bouncing at the time and it was uh St. Patty's day. Bar was just dead. There was nobody in it. And then at like 1150, um, out in Temecula, a lot of around the area and so at about 11 50 just I, we had like 30 just N- native americans come into this store and they were already lit up and they immediately started try, you know started doing stuff i i think i was the only bouncer on staff that night um and so i was taking care of something the manager took two guys outside and then i saw it and you know corner of my eye kind of ran out there guy shoved uh, the manager and so i double like him boom put him on his back said knock it off and when i did that the 30 guys that were there that were inside came outside. And uh, and uh, the first one out there just kicked me in the face. I didn't know he was there. He came up, he kicked me, boom, lights went out. Uh, it, it was, I mean, there, there's 15 minutes I don't remember. Like, when I came to, I was already on my feet talking with policemen. I don't remember the cops <laughs> getting there. I don't remember. I, I remember coming to, like, oh, my God, guys, I, I don't know what just happened. <laughs> And so the rest of the night, the, 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 the cops cleaned up the house and the, the, you know, the bartenders and managers were telling me exactly what happened. But um, I don't know who kicked me, but I know it was one of them. <laughs> so That's you crazy. don't know. Technically, you might have won that fight. We don't know. There's no real. I, you know what? I should have thought of that sooner. I might have won that fight. I might, you might be one to know. We don't know. It's, it's got to be, be a no contest. Yeah, it's got to yeah. be a no contest. <laughs> so, so, Sam. Your first fight is in August. We obviously talked about that. Your second fight, Rodney Sleepers, who has got a bunch of fights, is your second fight. It's with King of the Cage at Lake of the Torches. Who was your contact up there? How did you land that fight? Yeah, so the cousin of my wife who mentioned the fights uh, for my first fight, he met him up north at point because my, my Mr. Metz, he was my weapons instructor up north. They have weapons expos and stuff. So I'd been up there once or twice um, doing weapon stuff, you know, competitions. And while I was up there, they had a pancreation tournament going on, which is no strikes to the face, but you can do whatever else you want. Uh, and it was, it was a lot of fun to, to see that stuff. And eventually I met with Dave Sixel, who was the weapons slash pancreation guy up there. And so I had one fight. Britt's cousin reintroduced me to Dave, said, hey, he'd be willing to do a second fight. Uh, I think that was my third fight, though. The Rodney okay. third fight, right? Yeah. And so then I, I drove up north and fought amateur against Rodney Sleepers. That fight, I remember being gassed. That fight, third round, I believe it went to decision. I remember third round, I was, like, done um, for, for amateur anyways. Was How it Mike Camp? Go ahead, Mike. Uh, Wait, it was who Mike Camp? That name was, was your, your contact for King of the Cage, Mike Camp or Chess Bowling? 
both names sound really familiar. Yeah, uh, probably, probably work together. At, yeah. But I recognize both names. Mm-hmm. I know Papa is the ring announcer. Hey. How Big beautiful Papa Shaki was the ring announcer? Yes, he was the yeah. ring announcer. How beautiful is North Wisconsin in January? (laughs) Cold house fights. (laughs) I'm out. What what did you uh, finish your amateur career at? I was six and one as a a going into my pro pro debut. So this is so the end of my amateur career was kind of fun. Uh, So I fought Rodney Sleepers one way or another under under Dave Sixel. Dave Sixel. Oh my God! You're the greatest thing I've ever. Let's go to Russia together and fight. He had a contact. I said, okay, we'll go to Russia. Sounds good. And he said, now you got to pay your own trip. But if you win, they'll pay you back. Said, what? So we went over to Russia. Now we were, I mean, we were guests of the KGB. I'm telling you, the streets parted for these guys. They had the long trench coats. These dudes were important guys. Uh, and they put us up for two weeks. We got out there and they, they showed us the time. I mean, this is the greatest trip ever. Uh, it was just so much fun. At the end, we ended up fighting. Uh, there were four four fighters, one coach. Um, three fighters lost, and then I I was the last guy to fight. I was the biggest of them, so I fought last and I won. Uh, what well, they they announced me Sam Alvey with a record of two wins and one loss coming from you know the states, and then they call the other guy out and say, "All right, big Russian hairy guy or whatever his name is with a record of thirty wins, no losses, and one no contest with the belt." What? Blah blah blah. So I'm sitting in this cage and they're announcing and they're announcing it in Russia, but you can kind of numbers are the same, you know, like you're as putting together was. And so I turned, what is this? I don't know. You got to hit him. So, okay, that's what I'll do. And uh, I, I stopped. It was two rounds. Unless it was a draw, then it goes to a third round. So we went to a third round and I'm the third round. Play. Be a decision. And How did you? And this was, this was gangster. So this, this arena that we were in, it was an old circus building or a current circus building. We were warming up backstage and there were lions and tires and bears and stuff in cages <laughs> backstage. Uh, I, I broke my toe on the way to the cage. I had like shit lying around, skewed about, and I stepped on it and I broke my pinky toe on the way to the cage. Uh, so it was, and then the cage itself, it was puzzle mat on the bottom. Like not, oh. not the stick stuff, like the quarter inch puzzle mat. And then the octagon or the cage was like playground fence. It wasn't. It wasn't the rubber coated mesh. It was. It was gangster. Um, what city? I was in Ivanovo, Russia, the city of brides. Never heard of it. Yeah, um, that's... Man, so so, uh, uh, how did you? Man, I mean, that's crazy that you would beat a guy with thirty fights in and, Russia. And in, I mean, they're not bringing. And you got to pay to get there. Know, I think they showed you the lions and tigers that show you what you're probably going to be fed to if you want. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean? you didn't pick up and like, yeah, it is nice. <laughs> Man, that's uh, that's nuts. How'd you beat him? Just by decision? How'd you? You're not even training, right? How'd you not gas out there? You got me. Uh, it was a lot of takedown defense. I've never had a problem. You know, if I'm defending takedowns, uh, uh-huh. I, I don't gas at all. I'm usually pretty good at controlling my my lungs then. Um, I, I don't know. And, and honestly, it was so long ago. I might have gassed. I, I don't remember. Maybe he gassed harder than me. He really yeah. was like a Sasquatch. He was, I remember he was short. He was like, if I'm six, two, he was like five ten, but he was thick. Like, and he was, he looked like, I mean, he had a head of hair all over his body. Um, oh. 
he looked like a Sasquatch. It, it was, uh, it, it was, it was really fun, but yeah, we, we flew home. Um, and we got home on like a Monday on Wednesday, I got a call from Dave Sixel again, said, Hey, there's a heavyweight tournament up here in like, you know, Northern Wisconsin this weekend. You want to do it? So let's do it. So I, I, you know, a week from when I fought in Russia, I was driving up North and it was three fights in one night. I, I'm one of the 50 fights. I've got a three fight in one night deal. And it was, I've always wanted Important. to never had the opportunity. And I was the smallest guy in this tournament by 50 pounds. I mean, I was just, I was, 215 maybe and i mean the next smallest guy was 260 it was it was crazy and went we up there fast. Out. uh this yeah knocked him on the first round second guy we fought and i tk i submitted him with strikes in the the first round um and then the third guy i fought was actually one of duke rufus's guys uh papa papa something it, 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 papa martinez that was it and uh, we fought round one he won but round two i knocked him out and it was no commission no nothing i knocked him out with elbows he was going for a takedown and i was catching him uh catching him behind the ear with, el- with elbows which is legal um and when I got for- is tough. <laughs> and what i got for winning was i won a contract with king of the cage and a thousand dollars so a thousand dollars i was like well this is what i'm doing the rest of my life i just got a thousand dollars um, and so that was easy. Uh, the contract I never got, they never had me sign anything, but I, <laughs> yeah, every time King of the cage was in town, I fought for him. So it was, it was probably the best possible scenario. Yeah. Um, no contract. That's good. That was, that was my last amateur fight. My, my last four amateur fights were in the same six day period, just about. Wow. That's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. So you turned pro obviously on King of the cage, July 19, 2008. Uh, Shane Mel Melchiodi. I, I don't even know how to say his name. I, I, I what I remember. So there's two things I remember about that is we were making fun of his name backstage. And, oh, it sounds like Shane Naki Audi. That's a, that's how we kept saying it. Naki Audi. Yeah. Um, and then the, so I went out there. I was it round two. I beat him in or round one. Kimura round two. Okay. Yeah. Was it? I remember. So Papa Schnacki was the announcer. I said, he said, well, what'd you submit him with? I said, that was a Kimura. And he said, no, it wasn't. It was a Keelai. So he announced it, Sam Alvey, by way of Keelai. And I, I don't know why I remember that so well, but I, I kill it. Uh, Hold on. How, how did you, are you doing any groundwork at this time? Or how did you pick up on that? I have no idea. I, I, <laughs> a lot Just of my, watching from the fights. I'm sure you're at fights. You're seeing other people do stuff. Like, yeah, that works. Is that, I mean, is that what's going on or what? Maybe, maybe I, I'll, so I've still got a very similar jujitsu style, grab something and twist it the wrong way. And that's the, what it is. You grab the arm and you twist it the, the, the wrong way. Um, and that might've, it might've been as simple as that. At this point, I, I wasn't, no, at this point I was doing the, the, uh, football, football workouts. Um, uh, but I, the, the football field workouts with my buddy, Jordan, uh, but was there anybody concerned about you at this point saying, so, you know, maybe you should learn to fight, you know, in a, in a, a established system before, I don't know, you buy plane tickets to Russia. <laughs> I was winning. I was winning. Did, did, did they pay you back for the trip? Did they yeah, come at $800 for, for winning the fight? So it might've been a professional fight. I, I, yeah. might have been a, I, I 
Um, so, I mean, that's at, fantastic. At, at, at this point, you, you're going to these other fights. At some point, you have to hear somebody saying something about, I'm watching the UFC, and you're going, what are these letters? I mean, are, are you familiar with the UFC at this point? Are, you've been to, like, eight fights. Have you, are you thinking, yeah. hell, I better look into this UFC thing? Maybe. Potential future employer. You know? Yeah, I mean, they pay more than a 1000 Not I, much I, early, but, you know. The Shane Malcioni fight, I made 250 bucks. Saying yes, money. Uh, nice. So that was pretty Kill sweet. Him. Yeah. Um, he never I, fought again. At this point, I don't remember watching the UFC. I couldn't tell you anyone that was in the UFC. I might have heard the the the, the acronym, but I've, I I still I no no idea about it. Bellator. I don't think Bellator was. A thing. I might have seen a Bellator fight. I might have, but I. Like, looking back that far, it might have been Roger Huertas. He might, I might have wanted him, but I don't remember who or what it was. I remember it was on an all Spanish channel. They, 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 they didn't speak, uh, they didn't speak English. They just bought, spoke up uh, in Espanol channel. Uh, and so that, that was kind of cool. Oh. So the UFC was on free TV on the Spanish channels in order to kind of grabby uh, Hispanic audience. Sam, you're playing dead today, man. We appreciate you giving us your time. Yeah, man. Um, thank you. So, yeah, but Mike, remember, real, real fast, Mike, remember, Bellator in its initiation had that rumor that they were a Latin-based show because they were on ESPN Espanol. And I think that's what he was talking about with Roger Huerta and Bellator. That first season of Bellator, Toby Amada, Eddie Alvarez, they definitely took Latino or Latino speaking people, because that's what that I think that's what he was talking about. Anyway, take okay. over. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. Fair enough. So you go from there to go fight on uh, Nick Aguilar's event, Racine Fight Night, November 29, 2008, <laughs> against Lucas Bauer. Yeah. 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 So, so he is the reason. Here's, my, here's another kid. Uh, he's, hey. a, and you might have heard him talk about my UFC fights, is I don't touch gloves. Like the nicest guy in the world. I smile all the time. I, I hate touching gloves. I, I try not to because he sucker punched me. Uh, oh. we, we went, and this, this, this is so funny. We, we touched gloves and he came over the top. He hit me and he knocked me back and he's pushed me into the corner. And then while we were fighting, he said, I'm so sorry, bro. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, you kind of did. You kind of did. So. Yeah. And, and then I knocked him out like I don't know, 45 seconds later. So I knocked, I, I got him back for it. Did uh, you go? I I, I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So that's, I teach all my amateurs that do not touch gloves. So whether they mean to or not, it could end the fight. You know, if, if you touch, you keep your hands up and your back. You don't have to be respectful with it. Before and after fights, you can touch gloves. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I hate touching gloves during a fight, and that, that was the reason for it. What's interesting is, is, is like, you're stumbling – like into good luck, like you're constantly, you know, falling into good luck and your next opponent's got in, you know, after this fight, he's got three wins over UFC or Bellator opponents in Justin Lemke, the fighting fireman. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know he had UFC wins or yeah. He never yeah. fought in the UFC, but he beat two right. guys in the UFC and one person that's in Bellator afterward. Oh, yeah. yeah. Tough yeah, guy. One of Duke Rufus's guys. And I remember he was way bigger than me. The fireman, I believe. Uh, he, he was bigger than me by a bunch. We had the same weight class. I was still fighting 205. Uh, but uh, 
he was a bigger 205er than me. And I, I think I knocked him out in the second round, but I ended the first round in a triangle. Like he almost had me in the bell, bell rang. I think that's the way that round ended or that, that round ended. And then round two, we came out and I knocked him out again. Um, and it was, it was another fight. So Aguilar and Rufus, they were buddies, acquaintances. I don't know if they worked together. They, they were on good terms. I think I was supposed to lose that. Uh, because, oh, for sure. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I was supposed to lose that fight, and um, and I didn't. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Something that wouldn't be on there is I had a professional kickboxing bout either just before Justin Lemke or right after Justin Lemke. I fought Wickard. Nick Thompson. Kyle Wickard. Uh, oh. The dude looked like Brad Pitt. I always remember that. He, he was. He looked like Brad Pitt, and he, he kicked shit on me. <laughs> was, you, also, <laughs> you also fought Nick Thompson in a kickboxing bout. I fought. I was supposed to fight an MMA fight, but it felt through. And Nick Thompson came in, so I, I fought. I'm actually six and one in Muay Thai. I've never thrown a kick. Um, I, I, I I've beaten the WCK world champion. Like apparently, this guy was like a stud, and I took it on a week's notice because my friend Virgil Zwicker was supposed to rematch him. Virgil got injured or sick or something, couldn't do it. I stepped up, knocked him out in the first. Up a weight class on a week's notice, knocked him out in the wow. first. Wow. Just the Kyle Wickard fight, he kicked the tire out of me. It, this was I, my older brother Robbie was in my corner, and then my dad was in my corner, and then my wife, of course. Uh, <laughs> I got out to the to the cage. Hey, I'm Sam, and I'm I'm not the ripped specimen you see before you today. I was pretty pale and chubby back then, uh, and so I was out there waving, saying, "Hey, this is great." Then he walked out. Dude had abs on top of his abs. I had that little, that diddly thing that Muay Thai guys have on the back of their head. He walked out, he bowed at every corner of the ring, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> this, mm-hmm. this guy knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I, I remember I was so proud. One of the judges thought I won a round. Uh, otherwise, it was, I just got, got, got my ass kicked for, for three rounds. Um, but he broke his foot on me. He broke his foot on my head, too, somewhere in there. I saw him like a week later, and he was in a cast. So, so he won the battle, but you won the war. In the yeah, war. yeah. I, I walked out of there. He, he limped. <laughs> so your fight with Nick Thompson, like that's another UFC veteran that that you beat on the independent grind. Like you've got a, you've got you know a pretty interesting record. You know, you go into Jason Sink and King of the Cage. That was kind of a gimme. And then I believe Paul Metz throws his hat into the promoter promotion ring with first strike where you're the main event against Khalid Nelson. Yeah. Uh, Caleb Nelson. Caleb Nelson. Yeah. yeah. Who ended his career at 11 and two and like had an eight fight win streak. Like, uh-huh. no, he was, I tell everyone to this day, he was probably my favorite fight. Um, and I have no idea if the footage is anywhere, but I, it went three. And I couldn't stop his takedowns. He was a big, strong dude. Um, and he looked like a big, strong dude. Uh, worked real hard. He made cages in his spare time, too. So he'd been around the sport. And we, we accepted the fight. It went three rounds. It, so it was actually the, the night before I graduated college was this event. Uh, so we went through it, and I got beat up. I was, I mean, black eyes, swollen lips, you know, cuts here and there. I was beat up. And then the next day, being all beat up, I walked across the, the graduation <laughs> Uh, and so I, I got a kick out of that, but that that's like, it, it was, it was intense. I remember this one. I, 
I don't remember. I might have gassed. I remember I was tired at backstage. I went backstage yeah. and I puked. First and only time I've ever puked after a fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, puked backstage. He won. I think it was 29-28. Um, but it, it really was a it was a fun fight for me because it was the first real hard battle I had in a cage. I mean, it was I, I had no point by dominating or being dominated, but I was losing, and it, it was it was a good one. You, you, you know, Sam, I mean, uh, I, there, there's different kinds of fighters. I know a lot of fighters, um, they just love when they get like a 30-second knockout or whatever. But, I mean, I always felt like the most meaningful fights in my career were like three-round knockdown drag-out wars that I had to dig deep to even make it or win. Those, It sounds like that's kind of like your more your mentality. Like you like the struggle in a way. It, 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 make, it's, it means more to you than to have a quick fight. Yeah, you know, I, I would love to get a 30-second knockout. I mean, those are always fun. You get home, you enjoy the rest of your night. But that was that that one was that one has a special play. It was my first professional loss, first loss in 11 fights. Um, I mean, it went the distance and it was it was a hard distance. Um, it, it was a bad one. Uh, or it was a good one, but in a bad way. Bad one, but yeah. Yeah, he uh, he used to work for Adam Sandoval and he used to build the I think it was called the cage train that they were pushing through Combat USA and um, really unique individual. I think he passed away a couple of years ago. Yeah. 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 Interesting guy. I mean, absolutely had the ability to fight in the UFC. It's just, you know, he got sidetracked, you know, work, life, you know, family. Who knows? It was an older gentleman too. Like I guess back then he wouldn't have been that old for the UFC, but I think he was. You know, if I was twenty-two, he was thirty-three or something. Yeah, he had um, like a family. Yeah, he yeah, was he, like, yeah, he was. <laughs> I always, I loved it. we actually bought one of those cage trains. It was a floating. It, it was a floating uh, cage that you could open up, and it would be you know, a wall of your gym, or you can close it, and it would be an enclosed, you know, cage. Yeah, yeah. So you go from there to fight at the Battle at the Bleachers, Wisconsin Cage Fighting, Tim Mitnetch, who's actually kind of like another local Wisconsin guy. Um, you're kind of cutting your teeth on the independent grind at this point. It's a good bounce back fight. Yeah. yeah. So this, this fight, it was, I was supposed to fight Rob Smith was his name. Uh, Rob Roy. Oh, Rob uh, Smith, the heavyweight. I apologize. Yeah. Fought, I think he's got a win over Rampage. Two wins over Rampage. Really? Wow. Well, I was supposed to fight him, and then the Sunday before, he couldn't fight. So they were looking for someone because I sold. I mean, this was in my backyard, like almost literally my backyard. Uh, I sold all the tickets. Um, (laughs) They were, uh, they they found somebody who show up the day of, and so they had Trey McKnight McNitt uh, at the arena and said, "Hey, fight you." All right. And I was, I almost said no. Like, I almost did. It was, uh, I, I didn't know the guy. I didn't think about what I was doing. Um, I, I wasn't psyched up for it. But I said, you know what, screw it. I sold the tickets. Let's do it. So um, we went out there and fought. And I remember he hit me. And he hit me. And I don't remember most of the fight. I knocked him out shortly after. But it was like 10 minutes backstage. I was talking. He's like, guys, I don't remember the fight. I don't remember how it ended. I remember I, I mean, you guys tell me I won. I'll take your word for it. But he hit me somewhere in there, and it was uh, some punch. But it wasn't until I was backstage that uh, I started piecing together how, how the fight went. 
I'm getting a little concerned for you. I think we've been talking about half an hour, and this is the third third time you've talked about not remembering stuff for like over 15 minutes. Are you doing all right? Two times. Okay. Okay. Have you thought about like a microdosing with psilocybin? Have you looked into that? I, uh, those are the mushrooms, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, but not taking a bunch of them, just like a little bit to, to help the brain. Yeah, I got to be careful with everything because of uh, USADA. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know you would never do it. But. Right. And it's, it's one of those things. As soon as you an issue, I put me on everything. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, you go, you hit Ron Carter, who's kind of a, uh, you got Ron Carter's first fight. And then you fight at Madtown Throwdown against a future doctor in uh, Mark Honiger. Oh, yeah. we Really? He, he's a doctor? He's a doctor now. Yeah. He's like a pediatrician. Oh, cool. Yeah, he was he was another big boy. I, I keep saying they're big. I think I was just small because I'm still fighting 205. Uh, we went out there and uh, stoppage going into the fifth. I think they wouldn't let him come out after the fourth. Um, and I, I he lost a point in that fight because his cup kept falling out. Times <laughs> his cup fell out and they, they eventually took a point. Um, but he couldn't answer the bell going into the fifth. Uh, I think he had a real bad cut. It's one of Bob Long's guys. I, I remember vaguely this fight. So Mark is at a Central Illinois Combat Club. He's yeah. cornered by, I think, Strandman and Bob Long cornered him, or Derek Noble. It was one of those. I know Bob was there. I, I don't know about what the second was. But it was a 9-2 and two Mark Honiger versus a 6-1 and one Sam Elvey. And, like, it's, it's, it's a huge, huge fight. Yeah. The, the, and Title fight. And what didn't register as a big fight because so I was still doing it for fun and it was what it was. I, I, I to this day, you know, 80 fights in, I've never said no to a fight. And uh, looking back, there were a couple of fights I should have said no to. <laughs> um, and uh, th- this one was I went out there and I just beat him up. I mean, I wiped the floor with him uh, as modestly as I can put it. It was, it was a very one sided fight outside of his cup falling out, but uh, it, it's the, the only fight I've ever had. Or, they couldn't answer the bell or the doctor wouldn't clear him to no. fight. Them. Are, are, are you training relationship any more? With, with, go ahead, Chris. Are, are you training any more regularly yet? Or you got a real place to train yet? Or is it just you guys still leading the pack? Or, or do you have anybody who's. At, at this point, still me being Superman of their justice league. I'm still making it up as I. Okay. Okay. Um, i a good team at this point, like on all of these fights. So it was fun at the beginning. I don't even know if it could happen anymore because I would corner five or six guys before I fought. I'd corner yeah. them all and I'd come back, get wrapped up, and I'd go out and fight myself. And so I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure it was the main event of that card or the co main event at least. And um, I, I'm, I won the Madtown Throwdown belt that time. I still have that belt around here. Um, and they, uh, they started, uh, they just kept going. It was, it was, I'd go out there and fight, I'd win, and it was just, it was a blast. Yeah, but let me ask you though, you know, you've been dropping names all along too, though. Duke Rufus, had, you know, that's a real pro camp. Some opponents came from there. You you fought for the Aguilar brothers, who, you know, I know Nick very well. I I probably match made for him 15 times. And okay. you know, Nick was a real high-level guy at one point, and he knew the game. And there are a couple other na- names that are pros. I mean, you gotta be starting to piece together that you're pretty good and that there are guys. They do this for a living. 
Yeah, so this this Eric Hamrick or whoever this guy we're just talking about, that would have been I was six and one, seven and one. That would have been around the time I saw my first UFC event. Um, and it was my wife was really taking more of an interest than I was. I just like doing it and I hit pretty hard. It's been great. But she was the one that was really like saying, We can we can do this, we can make this. Uh, you, you can make a career out of this. So she started researching gyms for me to go to, which eventually we came to, to Team Quest. Uh, not too many not too many fights after that, um, but we came to Team <laughs> Quest because she did the research and everything. Well, so did, was there ever a thought of heading just down to Rufus? Because it's still in the state. It had been like closer. And it's like, it, no, was there no, ever any thought to that? No, and for the dumbest reason. Uh, my As my... I did that three amateur fights in one night. And the last guy I fought was big Papa Martinez. Yeah. Won that fight with elbows. I did one that fight with elbows. And this was before the internet was a thing, but it wasn't a big thing. But we found this thread just talking shit about me. Uh, it's just how I cheated. And I was actually a pro and this or that. And so I said, well, screw you, Dupervis. I'm done with this. Uh, and so at that point I just wrote him out and said, I'll just beat everyone he ever throw, has me fight. Um, and that, that was really, that, that was really it. Uh, he and I, I love him now. I mean, we've met a dozen times. I've worked out at his gym more than once. Um, oh. But back then, I was still sore about a bad internet thread about <laughs> Your feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, makes that, sense. Probably the only reason I didn't go to his gym instead of, and I went to Quest instead of his gym, was because I was mad that his, his team made fun of me. Or, <laughs> hey, Sam. There's nothing more important than feelings. Don't, don't <laughs> ever forget that. Never forget that. Yeah. How was your relationship with uh, Pat O'Malley and Ron Faircloth as promoters? Oh, I loved them. I, I loved them. Trained with them a couple. Of, actually, this scar right here was from Ron, Ron Faircloth, Faircloth. We were training at uh, in his gym, and he cut me. It was a nice little elbow. His hand just slipped off. But it was like took a bunch of stitches to close. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the jerk. Uh, no, but it was great. I, I really enjoyed it. Pat O'Malley has... Pat O'Malley sounds a lot like George Lockhart, the voice-wise. It was just like everything he said was rough, and he just talked as if he was missing part of it. And, and it was... He's a pirate. He's a pirate. So uh, did you ever work out with Reese Shaner? Yes. Yes, I did. Uh, once or twice. I knew of him. I, I, I've never gotten the opportunity to fight him, but I knew of him. I worked out at his gym before he passed away. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, he, he was a nice man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a bunch of gyms and I think we always say that Wisconsin is criminally underrated in regards to combat sports as compared to, um, you know, some of the East and West coasts places that, that get more attention. I mean, it's their level of jujitsu and MMA is very high in Wisconsin. There really are so many. I, I think part of the problem is, Honestly, the, the commission, the commission came in and kind of killed off MMA. Um, there, there were so many opportunities to fight back then. But now it's, I, and I'm not even sure exactly what they did, but they killed it. So I think there's like, there's like one chosen few uh, 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 event a year. And I think Duke had a show off and on for a while. Uh, and then every now and then an LFA will pop up. Um, but the, the commission came in and I, put in too many regulations or people just weren't willing to put in with, put up with the few they have. Um, but they, I don't they, think uh, it's, I don't think it's the regulations. I think that they're having issues with the people in charge, not really understanding 
what it is they're trying to do. (laughs) I'm not doing events in Wisconsin. I can say it. I've talked to several promoters and they're just like, they have no idea. I won't name names, but it's it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad up there. Um, I I would think that's probably, probably it. They don't have any fights. So the fighters don't get to fight as much as they used to. Like I've got, I only have so many fights because Wisconsin was there and I got to fight all the time. I knew you were the real deal. Like Honiger was a real eye opener. Like that Honiger fight, you're a real nice guy. Like you're not the guy leaning into street fights. You're very polite. Yes, sir. No, sir. How can I help you? Like your, your education within the household was, was at a very high level. And you, you can see that. So a lot of the guys from the Wisconsin scene, they were kind of in and out of prison. Uh-huh. So like when they would like Brian Garrity, Pat O'Malley, Ron Faircloth, you know, we, we, we've named these names. When they would look at you, it's like, yeah, he's a nice guy, but, you know, nice guys, you know, how far does a nice guy go in this sport? Right. And um, when you beat Honecker and then you fought Damian Decora for the Racine Wisconsin, for the Racine Wisconsin title. That's when I'm like, you know what, man? I mean, you're a small heavyweight, but you really opened up a lot of eyes, especially after the Damien Decora fight. Yeah, I forget. I fought him. Uh, he actually, so I have, in the UFC, I have one submission. He actually taught me that submission. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's, the actual name is it's a 10-finger choke, but I didn't know that until after I got it in the UFC. He taught it to me under the name. It's called the asshole choke. It's said it's because you're trying to get your assholes close to his face so you can get it no okay so for for years that was that was what i knew uh but yeah we fought and um i i i forgot about that fight another um, big boy yeah, yeah he was he was um and I've tra- since then i've trained with him once or twice uh he was one of those guys that just fought he fought all the time didn't didn't really care who or when or where or what weight class um, he, he also said something that the older I get, the more I understand. He said, you know, the problem with making weight is I know what I can make. And if I know what I can make, if I had half an ounce more, I could, I could lose half an ounce more. And so he said, and eventually I'm like three pounds heavier than I used to be when I'm cutting weight. He said, I can do it, but it's rough. Yeah. Damien's a great guy. Great guy. I haven't seen him in years. Eric Hamrich is your next fight. And then Combat USA comes along, which is kind of a risky proposition. In essence, I think it's a tournament, $10,000 payday, but it's very little money, uh, like the fights prior to the finals. Even if you took second, there's not a lot of money. But it, the, so I, I, I did take second. You make no money. Uh, oh. that, that was my, I think I was 11 and one going into that fight. I lost it. So I didn't, I got no money. Well, here, uh, but- let's start with the tournament. Oh. Brad Resop, who's three and one. So you're not getting paid. You're getting paid zero dollars for your I, first fight. No. So if you win a fight, you'll get paid something. At this point, I was fighting for, again, like 250 bucks a fight. No. Uh, but it's fun, and I enjoyed doing it. And this was the chance at winning 10 grand. So, oh, my God, 10 grand. I don't even know what I would do with 10 grand. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, and so Brad Resop, I believe it was a rear naked choke. It was my second submission of my career. I only got three of them, so they're easy to remember. Uh, so, and he's three and one. He's mm-hmm. got a lot. Of, he, oh, he's the kind of guy with a lot, lot of promise. Never fights again after this. Oh, really? That was his last one? It's his last fight. You oh, got a bunch of those. Sister. 
Yeah, you've been I know Sam kills people's career, man. They're like, I can't, I'm done. This guy's killed me. I'm done. He should feel bad about yeah, he beat my ass and he's smiling. I can't handle this. Yeah, no. I got, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> it's embarrassing. I'm done. So you get Brad Resep, which is is actually it's a fight you should probably make seven eight hundred bucks for. They give you a couple hundred, and then Pat O'Malley is your next fight. Pat O'Malley seventeen and eight, and I think he did like eight or nine years in prison. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was a nice guy. I was his champion. Uh, we, we built some hype for the fight, and uh, I, I was so excited I got the opportunity to fight him. Um, and I fought him on his birthday. He, he, <laughs> so I knocked him out. Uh, while he was still getting collected, I, I sang happy to birthday to him, and I got the arena to sing happy birthday to him on the microphone. Um, <laughs> Yikes. He told me years later he didn't know I did it. He said, "Oh yeah." He said, "Yeah, what are you saying to you?" Hype um, uh, on that one. That was hey, the combat USA was at this point. Everyone kind of knew each other because we were always fighting, and there were fights every week of the year. You know, across so we were always around each other. And this combat USA was the first one that was going to put the best in Wisconsin up against one another. And um, it really, it turned out really well. I mean, I lost the last one, but it was, it was a ton of fun. We were all on TV at like 11 PM on Thursday nights or something. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And was um, it kind of a scam? Did you feel kind of like the combat USA in general was kind of a scam? I never. Okay. I never felt like it was a scam, but um, I, I do believe some of the casinos involved felt it was a scam. <laughs> so, in essence, this I don't know anything. You know, I, it's just I'm just going to say words, and maybe they're right, maybe they're not. But the rumor was was that Adam Sandoval, who, if you look at what he did, was incredibly impressive. I'm going to tell you this. Combat USA had a lot of bells and whistles. They did a fantastic job, including the, the color commentary for that time. But it was kind of like people going into this were really worried that the checks were going to bounce. They're like, how is he going to be able to pay? How is he going to be able to pay? And um, you fight Pat O'Malley. He retires after that fight. And Once um, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a recurring theme. And... Um, I know everybody got made well on it, but I know it wasn't Adam's money. I think he was playing with somebody else's cash. I think it was Oneida Casino. So I remember he bought like a bus or had a bus. It was wrapped with Combat USA. He drove that bus everywhere. I mean, it was like a butt, like an like an NBA player's bus. Um, and it, it, it was very impressive. And I remember that. I, I've... I, he did, he he always paid. I believe all the checks cleared. I think he promised that there were going to be some big uh, uh, rings that were going to be awarded that that never ended up coming. But I lost, so it didn't affect me, anyways. <laughs> so Paul Bradley is your next fight, King of the Cage. It gets rained out. Uh-huh. <laughs> How close were you to actually stepping in the cage that night? We stepped in the cage that night. We fought around in the rain. Uh, well, it's just a no contest. It was a no contest. We fought one round in the rain. Event. Uh, it started raining outside. It was an outdoor event. Co-main event. It, it was like pouring on him. 
never got called. It was not a no contest. Uh, whoever it was that was the co-main event ended up losing, and it's a loss forever. Between rounds, they came up to us, or between fights, they came up. Um, it wasn't Terry Trebock, but it was one of the King of the Cage guys. And he said, hey, it's going to be Cordero. Matter what. But if you guys fight, we'll give an extra $1,000 to the winner. So hell yeah, we're in. So we went out there. And it was pouring. I mean, cats and dogs. There's nobody left in the audience. Except, uh, just pouring. It was, it was really like a movie scene, except we got out there and we couldn't stand up in the cage. It was so slippery. So he came in. I hit him once. He fell slash slipped, at which point I fell slash slipped. And then we just kind of rolled on each other for five minutes. Uh, but between rounds, the prom- not the promoter, but the, the casino owner, Michael Broderick, uh, he came out and said, all right, we're calling, we're putting it off, we're calling it off. And he still makes fun of me for doing it. He said, man, you could have tore your ACL so easy. It's, it was the dumbest thing you've ever uh, – hey, they split the $500 or $1,000, so I got an extra $500, and he got an extra $500. Uh, but we both got paid for it. Um, and it's a no contest against Paul Bradley. It was, it was really a fun, fun experience. And, <laughs> That's, uh, and no, but I didn't know then. It was probably real lucky for me that it rained like that. Yeah, Paul Bradley was tough. Yeah, it sounds like it's uh, that movie. Here comes the boom, where it's just pouring there and they're sliding the whole time. And I was like, that would never happen, but apparently it did. I, I didn't know that you had a fight like that, man. So, yeah, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. So the Combat USA Finals come against fellow UFC veteran, also fifty club Fight Club member Gerald Mearshot. We just had Gerald on about a month ago. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. you and Gerald wind up fighting in the indie, in the independent grind. First off, Sam's eleven and one. Gerald Mearshart is thirteen and four, and there's a ten thousand dollar prize at the end of this. Ooh. How did you yeah. think the fight was going? How, why don't you describe the fight? I won twenty four minutes of the fight, and he choked me out with a minute to go. Oh, uh, you're yeah, kidding me! This was, and it was his coaches. So both the Aguilar brothers were in there. And they both came up to me afterwards, and they said, yeah, you won that fight if you didn't tap. I said, yeah, well, I couldn't breathe. And it's what it's- <laughs> um, yeah, it was Nick yeah. and Hank Aguilar was Gerald's coach. Yeah, I stopped every takedown. I did everything until that last minute. He got me down, and he, he's always had a hell of a guillotine, and he got me with that guillotine. Uh, and I, yes. I, I still remember how much it hurt. Oh, it's brutal. So, but that was, I stole the limelight from him because I proposed to my wife in the cage after that fight. So I, I lost and he was the winner and everyone's great for him. I said, oh, screw it. I had my, I, I had bought roses for everyone in like the front row. And so as I dropped to a knee after I lost, they were throwing roses in from over the cage as I proposed cool. to my girlfriend and fiance, now wife. That's uh, cool. Acting on. So, um, Gerald Mearshart beats Ron Faircloth. You beat Pat O'Malley. He beats Ron Faircloth. And Sam, I, I've got to be very direct with you in regards to this. If there's two people that you would never pick out of a lineup as fighters, it's both you and Gerald, and both you two have had incredibly successful careers, you know, in, in the bigger show in the UFC. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got what 15, 16 fights there, which is nuts. I, yeah. I'm at fights in the UFC. How many? 23. That's, that's crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's wild. 
That's wild. So you be, you lose the Gerald Mears shot. Did you get any money at all? Out of dime. No. Uh, that's bogus. That's criminal, man. That's criminal. You know, uh, a lot, lot of, lot of what I've done in my career, it's like I, I didn't get paid enough for it, but I've got a story out of it because I didn't get paid for it. That story <laughs> will someday be worth that ten thousand dollars. So I get there you go. now, and it's worth something. So I'm getting something out of it. <laughs> no, let me ask you though, Pat, and even Nick and those guys, somewhere along the line, those guys also like they had to see you were talented. Did they offer to manage you? Because sometimes they dabbled in management and stuff. How come, like, nobody got their hooks into you, like, from those guys? Because, like, Pat's a guy, I, like, I know Pat pretty well. Uh-huh. Yeah, Pat actually hooked me up with my first manager. Like, we, we had talked to him. At, at first, Adam Sandoval tried to be, and we, we ran away from that. My wife never didn't trust the situation very well, so she, she was smart on that. Um, so she, she pulled the, the plug on that one. But uh, I talked to Pat O'Malley a while, a while later. I said, hey, you know what? You've got these contacts. Could you help me out? He said, Sam, no, this is you. I, I'm probably not the big, that's his way. I'm probably not the big, but I know this man, uh, Nick Thompson. So he introduced me to Nick Thompson. Nice. So uh, Nick managed me for a minute. Okay. Is this that's before cool. you knocked him out or after? <laughs> it must have been before. So you guys yeah, fought afterward? What's that? You guys, you guys fought before that. I, I think I fought him before he managed me. Oh, okay, we might. Good, good, good. Yeah. Probably getting but, bad well, contracts and stuff. <laughs> well, he's a lawyer. He's real good at that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah, still a lawyer. Still an attorney. Yeah. Um, you had one of the scariest knockouts I think I've ever witnessed in person when you fought Bill Hill October 9, 2010. It's the greatest. You saw that one? Yeah. Oh, I love that knockout. That is, I've never seen one close to it anywhere before. Um, yeah, you yeah. walking, walking us through it? Yeah. So it was Bill Hill, and I, I don't remember if I was supposed to fight him or not, but I remember going, going into it. I, I didn't know who he was. I, I like, there's no topology or anything that I was aware of. So, all right, Bill Hill, he's got a big record. I think he was. A little better than 500, but he had like 40 fights. He had a lot of fights. Yeah. I said, oh, well, this would be great. We went out there, and round one, he was a lot tougher than I thought. He, he's, he influenced the rest of my career thinking that there could be easy fights for 500 fighters. I said, no, this dude has a ton of fights. Uh, he was in one hell of a first round. And it, it was like, wow, went back to the corner. and said, wow, that hurt. I mean, it was a rough round. I believe I won the round, but it was a rougher round than I was expecting. Round two, we were in there. Boom, boom, I'm blasting him, and I catch him, clipped him, and he, he locks up. He's out. I mean, it's like I, I hit the punch, and I felt his soul leave a little bit. And uh, so I back off. Um, what, what's his name was the referee? Um, with, with the, Herb Dean was the referee. Herb Dean. Yeah, he Herb, was Herb Dean's ref. Hey, continue fighting. So I turned to Herb and said, he's out. He, he locked up. He was, he, his legs locked up. He was in the cage. And the, uh, he's out. But okay. So I turned to keep going. And then Herb pulls me off. But I, it was, I, I got to talk to Herb during my fight. He's out. It's over. And uh, <laughs> he, he was locked up. Bill Hill was. His knees were locked up against the cage. Couldn't fall. <laughs> um, I knocked the guy out standing up. It was, it was cool. <laughs> so, Chris, his next fight is against a guy that used to train with you at the Caribbean Ultimate Fist Fight. I think it's Adam. 
can't remember his last name. I dealt with him a few times. Luke Taylor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, it was another fight I made no money on. I, I mean, I, I made like $600 for it, but I had to fly my corner down. Uh, my, my wife at this point had won America's Next Top Model, and so she got to travel a lot. I got to go with her at one point to uh, the, uh, Trinidad. We went there, met, met the gyms and stuff, and it was, it was a good time down there. Um, <laughs> and because we met him, we, we stayed in contact. They had a fight coming up. Said, hey, we would love to come back. Said, okay, we can't pay you much. And it was like $600 and a ticket. For, all right, all right, yes, we see. Yes, you got money. You got money. Uh, <laughs> I like it. And so we, uh, uh, I, I had to fly my wife down there. So I, I fought this fight with no money. And it was a tough fight. It was tougher than I thought. Uh, th- that fight, it, we called ahead because at this point I was 85. I was, I was a solid 85er. And so I called ahead to make sure they had a sauna. And they said, yeah, we have a sauna. So okay, fantastic. We got there. They had a sauna. It was just in pieces and hasn't worked in years. Uh, <laughs> I, I did it. They were, they were honest. Does you it, didn't ask you to work. Does it work next time? Does it work? Oh, no. Okay, well, man. We have one. Um, <laughs> I remember that weight cut sucked because it was like a perfect day in the in the Caribbean. It was like seventy with the breeze, sunny, just just perfect out. And I had to jog jog it. They didn't even have a treadmill for me. I had to jog in the the parking structure. Oh. So I was holding the the stopwatch as I ran around, and I'd sprint one side, and then I'd sprint the other side. I did it. I lost. Oh, I hated it. It was a terrible weight cut. Made weight. I fought fought him. Um, believe it went to decision but i think it was a pretty dominant fight i think i won all three rounds pretty solidly but i did have mcpherson was in this corner chris yeah yeah now luke's uh trained there at our gym for a long time good ground guy good ankle locks and whatnot but uh he, he probably shouldn't been fighting 185 he's more of a 70 pounder i think he just wanted a free trip to jamaica or something i remember there he was all fired <laughs> up about it <laughs> you know, right around this time too I think there was like a coup. It, it really never made the news here, but the entire island was on lockdown. It was, it was in Trinidad and Tobago. And it was like they found a whole bunch of weapons at one of the marinas. And they said, wait a minute, someone's trying to take over our country. And they had for like three or four months, you couldn't go out after like eight or nine o'clock at night. I think this is right after that. Oh, I, I hadn't even heard of that. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, your next bout was Jason Guida at Duke Rupus' show, North American Fighting Championships, November 24, 2010. How – was there any pre-fight shenanigans with Jason? He missed weight by, like, 25 pounds. I, I, <laughs> I was supposed to fight him at 205, and I said, okay, I'll fight at 205. Uh, it, it was supposed to be 85. I said, all right, I'll do 205. Then I showed up. He showed up, like, two hours late, and he was covered in – sweat or wire or something like he had been cutting but i couldn't he missed weight by it was like 22 pounds oh uh, what yeah it was duke he had it out for me he had it out for me and i didn't remember this but my when my wife and i were just talking about it i didn't get the 20 percent. he said jason wouldn't fight if i take 20 percent of his purse well, I, I we're not fighting you don't get to be 22 pounds overweight man oh he, he did now in my defense I still think I lost that fight, but I think I got a hometown decision saying I won. Um, so I, I won. It was, it was, he gassed hard. Like round two, he gassed. So round two, I beat him up. 
Round three, it was a little more even. He started leaning on me a lot more. I was doing more damage. And I remember going into the buzzer, he was trying to take me down. And I think had he taken me down, I would have I would have lost. Um, but he, I stuffed it until after the bell. And then it didn't, didn't matter anymore. Um, but I, I, I've met with him a few times, joked, joked about it with him. I said, I still think I lost that fight. He said, yeah, I did. I think you did too. So that yeah. was, but you know what? 22 pounds makes a difference, not only in the weight factor, but we don't have to suck down. That's a huge difference, man. I mean, that'd be a different fight. And he cut. He cut to 22 pounds overweight. <laughs> yeah. What was he, 44 before? <laughs> oh, you're right. I, I, so, I bet he was 22 and a half. Yeah. <laughs> Quite possibly, Miguel. Yeah. Pour some water on your head. It'll look good. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so working all day here, he picked, <laughs> and he carried me across the, the the ring. I remember he picked me up, carried me across the ring. He slammed me into the the post, and I remember thinking, "He said, well, that's not gonna hurt.'" And then he did. It's like, "Wow, that hurt a lot." Um, and I remember thinking all that during the fight. Yeah, the Guido brothers were rough. Like they're they weren't easy fights, man. Definitely. Uh, you leave me the card. Um, after Jason Guido, you actually get a Bellator contract. What? Yeah, Bellator never wanted me. They 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 didn't. Nick Thompson got got me the fight, but they never wanted me. They went out of their way to to make it hard for me. All right, we'll put you in the tournament, but you got to win three fights. So Jason Guido was the last of the three fights. So sweet. Then I got there. I said, oh, I can't wait to be in the tournament. So, oh, you're not in the tournament yet. You've got to be in. Uh, you've got to beat um, their French guy. And Bellator loved their overseas guys. They were pushing their tournaments heavy for overseas yeah. it's carol amasu yes carol amasu that was him and we went out there and i said well if you wanted the tournament you got to be carl amasu oh no let, let's let's frame this right so he's the cage warriors champion which is the biggest organization in all of europe essentially he's a european uh champion sweet <laughs> i didn't know that yeah yeah uh, he's uh 12 three and one and um he is no joke. Yeah. No, I, I, the fight was rough. Round one was rough anyways. Round one, he kicked the tar out of me. He actually broke my rib. And then at the Ooh. time, it was the bloodiest fight in our UFC or in Bellator history. He cut me. He, like, he, he threw me. He's a judo guy. He threw me hard. And that's where I think I broke, the, broke my rib. Um, and, and he went on top. And I went to roll to get out. And I remember it's the only time in my fight history outside of eye pokes that um, I, I remember pain during the fight. Like I rolled, oh, and it was in the fight. My rib just killed me. So I had, he, he was pretty easy for him to take mount. And then he elbowed me a couple of times, cut me twice. On, oh, I lost you guys. We're good. We're good. Okay. Yeah, he cut me twice on the side of the head and there's blood everywhere. I ended the round. I found a way to get on top. I ended the round on top and I was throwing, there's a lot of the Donkey Kong punches, whatever I could do. 10 second bell. I did whatever I could. Bell, round ended. I went back to the to the corner and um, Dean Lasseter was the cut man. He came in and cleaned me up. I mean, just whipping. And I remember looking down and thinking, why is he bleeding? I don't remember hitting him. Uh, I didn't realize I was bleeding in the corner. And so they told me what to do. Uh, it was my wife and then Coach Daniel Warren were in my corners. And um, yeah, I went out there and I won the next two rounds. They were close. At no point was there a uh, I never won a round as dominantly as he won the first round, but I, <laughs> I thought I'd won the next rounds, but just enough. Um, 
And, and you were and Team did, Quest at this point. I was. I went to Team Quest after the the um, Jason Guida fight. I was technically at Team Quest for a month, oh. and then I flew home. And uh, yeah. So, so you're a Team <laughs> Quest guy. You got Nick Thompson negotiating for you. What, what's his Bellator contract look like? It was a tournament, so it was uh, in the tournament. Uh, if you win it, you get a hundred thousand dollars. The first fight was ten and ten. The second one, I think, was. 20 and 20 or 25 and 25 and then the, the last one was 100 so here let, let's look at this you, you this is carl amasu european like he's the number one guy in europe at 185 pounds you win a split decision against him your next opponent september 17 2011 is a two-time world jiu-jitsu champion in Vitor vienna <laughs> You're yeah. making you earn your money, boy. Yeah, they put me in that. <laughs> well, who do you want to fight first? And I told him, I want to fight Shevchenko. I believe he won last season's tournament. And I said, that's the guy I want to fight. So then they put him as far from me in the brackets as possible. Shlomenko. Fight him as if, it, as if I made it to the finals and he did too. In the winner, uh, the winner of this fight got to fight Hector Lombard. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. A lot of fun, uh, <laughs> but uh, and I still think I won that fight. I've watched it since then, and I think I won that fight. Uh, but the judges didn't, and so I lost. Uh, I lost the decision. I believe I stuffed every takedown. I think he just got had me pinned up against the cage for a little longer than it should have been. But I outstruck him. I stuffed his takedowns. He didn't submit me, so that was good. Um, but he's ten one and one. Like he's legit. Oh, he was. He was. He was legit. And. Um, it went to the decision, and I think it was a split decision loss I had. Maybe it was a unanimous. But uh, I lost the fight, and then it was like I wasn't even backstage. I said, yeah, you're cut from Bellator. I mean, they, Bjorn wow. read me the guy, uh, and he did not want me in there for some reason. They didn't give me another chance. They didn't give me an undercard fight. They said, you're done. I said, okay, I'll see you later. Was, was it, were they kind of rude about it, or were they at least polite? It was, it was borderline about it so after the carl amasu fight they had the presser because i was in the tournament they had all, all the winners of the night um lined up or sitting down for the media and bjorn it was funny he went and uh, this guy with you know he, he he won this and did this an amazing thing and this guy did this and won that and did the other thing so this is sam and then they have this other guy who did this i mean just went on about everybody and then it was like literally that that's sam and then he moved moved past me. Like, well, okay, yeah, I guess that's something. Um, he, at least he knows my name. Um, and that, and that you was, know what? He got banned from boxing. Pew and Rebney has got in the boxing world. I'll say it. Everyone called him a total dick. I back it up. I'll say I, it. Talk with him, but my experiences with him and his organization, dude, didn't want me and was was not shy about telling people. Chris, you're, how many front pro fights do you have in boxing? 15. Okay. How scummy and dirty is the boxing world on the independent circuit? Man, it, it amazed me. When I, you know, I came from you, like MMA, and I thought that was a messed up scene. I went to boxing. It's like, dude, it's a whole different world of words. You know what I mean? It, it was Every fight is like um, a, a, the, the, the business is closing a, a fire sale. And every, use card. As much as you can. Ruin everything at all costs. It's, it, it's a money grab at every second. Uh, step on everybody. It was very weird. I was like, Jesus. It's not so what I thought. Bjorn Rebney was so dirty and scummy. He got thrown out of those circles. 
Think about that. So, I mean, that's all I got to say about Bjorn Rebney. He's been to a couple of my events. I used to, we do events at Bourbon Street. The guys actually, yeah. before Bellator showed up, introduced himself. And I'm just like, I remember like the local boxing guys were like, stay away from him. And when he came out with Bellator, I was shocked that yeah. he was able to get it so far. But even there, he got ousted. I mean, the guy, the guy's never been able to place a foot into a combat sport. And it's because of that. Now, Sam, you're not saying that. I am. <laughs> so let, let's just clarify it. I mean, the I, whole I, uh, arguing with you. The, the whole <laughs> Eddie Alvarez thing was, you know, very publicly him, you know, showing his dirty side, I think, you know. I mean, it's all right to be right as a lawyer, but then you're right in the court of public decision. It's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean just really fast. What he did was he took the UFC's contract and said, we'll match it. Here's you get the exact same percentages on our pay-per-view, which they don't do pay-per-views. <laughs> but legally, yeah. legally, and then he sued him. Yeah, legally, he could very well win in court. This is it's exactly the same thing like Bill Clinton when he says, I did not have relationships with that that woman. It's how do you define relationship? He was defined, he's like, Yeah, sure, we can match percentages. That's a lawyer move, but you know, Eddie's a street kid, you don't put that by him, and he really looked bad, but everybody saw that that's the kind of person he was. How could he look at a straight face and say, Yeah, we'll match with the UFC then? No, and and, you know, he lost favor in that locker room. And shortly thereafter, he got bounced. I mean, that, that's that's a fact. We're going to end with this, Sam. We know you're doing the whole dad thing. We sincerely appreciate it. Okay, Sam, I'm just going to be very direct. You know, you're new to this podcast. We have a Hall of Fame section dedicated to great promoters. We have a Dan Sever oh, wing. No. We've got a Brad Kohler wing. I mean, we, we've got just hey, Matt, this guy. This Did guy also lie? falls into that, and that's Master Vic when you fought for Chihuahua Extremo. <laughs> How ugly was your experience in Mexico against Augusto Montoyo, who was 9-0, future UFC vet? So, like, like everything, I've got a story with that one, too. There we go. Chris, you hear that, Chris? I got it. Yeah. Got him. So, I was, I was bouncing. And my bar was a little dive bar that didn't do very well. On Wednesday night, I was, they have an underwear uh, bikini contest. Uh, so they just try and get girls into jiggling, whatever. And th- there weren't many people. So as the friendly bouncer, I dropped down on my britches and, you know, was grooving up on stage. I dropped through the and I pull my hamstring. Um, it's like, oh, my, and I like pop up and I said, all right, I got to go. And I go and I tell my head bouncer, hey, I just pulled my hamstring. I can't walk. The next day, I got a call from Nick Thompson saying, hey, we got a fight in two weeks for uh, Augusto, if you want it. So let's do it. Um, so we went we went down there, and everyone was real friendly. Uh, and I didn't have any real problems. We got – it was just my wife and I this time. We got down there. And um, my, my leg was like I, – I couldn't train with it. I couldn't run with it. I made weight just fine. Everything was going okay that way. Then we got out into the fight, and um, – I, 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 I floored him. I mean, I dropped him like four or five times in the fight, but because my hamstring was jacked up, I couldn't go up and down. Like I didn't want to jump on top of him because I didn't think I'd be able to stand back up. 
So I'd hit him and I kind of paw at his feet with my kicks and then he'd get back up and he, he, he'd get up, he'd kick my legs again. And then I'd drop him. And so that was kind of the fight. I ended up winning. It was, I think it was like 30, 26 decision. I, I think I, I beat him like real bad. Even they couldn't have taken it from me. Um, <laughs> I wanted to. Oh, I'm sure they did. And, uh, we, we got out of the cage and, uh, I'm like, so yeah, this is the greatest thing ever. Oh, and I'm limping hard because he really did kick, kick me a bunch and my hamstring was killing me. And so I'm limping like real hard. And some guy who had to do with the promotion and I don't know who he was. Hey, you're hurt here. Take this. And he gave me a pill. And I grabbed the pill. I put it in my mouth. It's like, Oh shit. What did I just take? <laughs> and, and, and so nothing. It was like aspirin or something, uh. but it was, you didn't wake up like in a bathtub with a cell phone oh, taped to your hand and missing a liver. Call your kidneys up. I don't know what I took. I, I don't know why I took it. He just handed it to me so confidently. And I took that pill in. He said, oh, open your legs. Oh, fantastic. It was an aspirin or something. But uh, I, was, I was hoping it was ecstasy or PCP or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> it would be a better but awesome. Woke up in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> I woke yeah, up through new tattoo. California. It was great. I don't know how I got there. Um, but that, that was after weigh-ins. And so re rewinding a little bit, after weigh-ins, they took us to the sushi, sushi joint in Chihuahua, Mexico. And to this day, it was the best sushi I've ever had. You're kidding me. <laughs> no, it was phenomenal. It was, and I don't know what they did that was so good about it or, or any that of that. Dog it, or cat, maybe. What's that? Maybe a dog or a cat or something like that. We don't... Well, you know, well well placed financially independent Mexicans can afford to. Who knows where they get their money from? But you know. did you get paid for that fight? Uh, what what was that? How was he as a promoter? I don't remember the promoter at all. I I really don't. Um, okay. Did they throw beer into the cage with the decision? What's that? Did the audience throw beer cans into the cage with the decision? No, I, th I no, I think uh, I think I even got cheered. I remember I got kicked in the the, the pills at one point. It's like oh bad, like he just about moved to him. Uh, and the referee came in and laid me down, and the referee stood over me, like put his hands on my hips, and then made my hips go up and down with his hands. It was it it, it got me better real quick because I didn't want to do it anymore. So all right, I'm fine, I'm fine. Um, but no, I don't remember any beer cans. I don't remember the audience. Wow. Uh, I, I think I, it was, I think I remember it being a pretty good experience. And you got flown home to the same city you left from. Same city, same everything. That's Had incredible. That's Had incredible. He did you know, his due diligence as a promoter. Master Dick. Yeah, I gotta tell you everything we know I've learned in this interview, obviously Sam, nice guy and stuff like that. I think I'm going to credit his wife with taking care of all that shit. I, oh, I credit <laughs> her for too. She, without her, I would have none of it. Yeah, so this is the same promoter. <laughs> this is the same promoter that tried to fly Travis View out of Rochester, New York, and then flew him back to a different city. I, I he's he's also the uh, color commentator for in Spanish for the UFC. He's the biggest shitbag promoter I have ever like personally dealt with outside of Brad Kohler. Wow. Oh, what was his name? I'll make sure we don't work. Master like Vic. Yeah, please tell him. Yeah, tell him that we, we have lots of stories in our archive about him. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I had a story like that, but no, it's just I pulled my pulled my hamstring dancing in my underwear and took some acid or whatever. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Good day. All right, so that's his pre-UFC career. Why don't we just open it up to the forum? Could you tell us what it's like working out with Dan Henderson? He he's an animal. I mean, it's he's genetically built different than people are. It's it's, <laughs> it's like as good as I am, and I've been in the UFC for so long, and I'm 35 and awesome and amazing. The dude still beats me up. Like he doesn't have three rounds anymore, but he's got a solid three minutes, and those three minutes he will destroy anyone. Um, and it's and every time he, he hits somebody too hard, he goes, oh, sorry, you kind of went into it a little more, more and more. I, I pulled it, but you kind of were going in. Yeah, it just happened again. And uh, this is my fault. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I love and it. He's a guy. He doesn't say a lot. Like he, he's not a big talker, but when he's always got the perfect thing to say in any situation, he's just got that. <laughs> he's a guy that 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 you know everyone will get quiet and laugh at whoever you wanted them laugh at moment it's just yeah i i he might have gotten it from his years of wrestling but um he, he's just he's a he's a lot of fun to be around yeah we there when sean tompkins was coaching no no uh, i got there just after wow wow chris miguel hey i think i do want to ask something you know Obviously, 23 fights into the UFC, you're, you know, you've made a career out of it and stuff like that. And But one of the kind, you know, things that you've got to be hearing is, is you're on a, a streak of losses and, and you've been surviving and, and not getting cut and you kind of keep getting chances. Is that something that, you know, how are you pulling that off kind of thing? And I'm proud of you, to, for, you know, I like keep, keep it going. It's like I like watching you fight and I'd like to see you reverse it. But they don't give guys fighter. a they yeah. don't give a lot of guys a lot of chances like that often. So how do you you know how do you you build well, a picture for us? How your mindset? All right. So so even the so I'll start with the excuses first. If I've lost my last or if I didn't win my last eight, I think I won five of them, and I think it's unarguable I won five of them. I think I've won more than I've lost, but the judges got me. I, that's my excuse, and that's sticking to it. No, but, you're right on that. You're right on it. The judge, the, the UFC sees it, and the fights have been entertaining, whether I win or lose, whatever. They've been good fights. I've had a lot of knockouts. Um, other things, and I, I try and tell my amateurs, I try and tell my young pros this as good as you have to be in the octagon, you need to make people remember you. It's almost as important as winning, is you need to have something that, that draws people's attention, draws their, their thought process to when they think of fighting, they think of you. It could be something from a cool walkout song, a good nickname, uh, a cheesy smile. Um, it, it could be any of that. It just, I, I understand I may not be the greatest fighter that's ever lived. I'm, I'm one of the best in the world at this time, but I may not be the greatest. But I do know that I stand out in the crowd. And uh, I, I've had a career of being very positive, and that, that's not a, not a gimmick, but it is what it is. Um, I, I'm kind of a big, chubby, ginger, pale, you know, friendly guy. And people remember me. Um, same reason. Or was it? And you're fan friendly. Same. You're also fan friendly. I, I, I'm one of the few fighters that truly understands or truly appreciates. I wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for the fans. It's not the UFC that that gives me everything. It's the fans that have shown their support, that like watching me fight, that enjoy the sport, that give me that sort of job. So any chance I can, I give back to the fans. I, I'm. 
probably too active on my, my wife would tell me I'm too active on social media because I respond to everybody that messages me. Um, and I, I'm just, well, that's so, how we got you. That's yeah. how you're here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I'm so appreciative that there are guys like you out there that want to talk with me. I know someday in my life, years down the road, nobody's going to want to talk to me. <laughs> so I'm going to take full advantage of it now and to really try and show how thankful I am for, for you guys, you know, helping me have a career. Um, and I, I think a lot of, a lot of fighters, underestimate how important uh you know uh you know responding to a, a comment could be well sam uh, i think you're 100 accurate there when we talk about i mean the most important thing is, is them knowing you and putting on exciting fights if you're an exciting fighter they're always going to have a home for you i think i mean if you're not making fire the nights and them cutting you that just doesn't usually happen you know what i mean so if you go out there and you put on good performance and you know, like you said, this isn't, you know, 2000 or 2001 um, where it was all about just winning a fight. There's a, more to that. You know, um, you have to have I don't want to gimmicks, not the right word, but you have to have some staying power. that people know who you are, social media, some presence. And uh, you're accurate on that. A lot of people, a lot of people are just too pure. So it doesn't matter about that. Yeah, it does. This is entertainment. This isn't just a sport. It's a, it's a combination of both. So you understand that puts you a leg up on a lot of people don't get that. Yeah, and it's you know I I gotta replay this clip for my for my young pros because I tell them all the time. He said, "Listen, you have to post every day. It doesn't even have to be a good post. You just have to be visible. You have to anything you can do to make somebody remember the name Trevor Wells or Jordan Winsky or uh, you know whoever it is. You have to have that thing. Uh, not everybody can have the H bomb. That photo of Hendo is secured Hendo's legacy forever." Not everybody can have that. Some guys have to have, you know, that little extra that, that makes people remember you. Well, one more question. Um, you know, I do commentary for the, the bare knuckle fighting at BKFC. After UFC, any, any interest at all in doing some bare knuckle fighting? What do you think about that? You'd be that? good at it. Absolutely. I, I would. <laughs> yes. I lo- so the WWE has always been my dream. The WWE has. I, I, it's what got me into fighting. I didn't watch the UFC, but I watched the WWE growing up. It got me doing push-ups. I used to do push-ups in the commercial breaks uh, during the WWE Thursday Night Raw, uh, SmackDown's Monday Night Raws. And that's what got me working out to, at the very beginning. It's always been a dream of mine to do that. Bare Knuckle is like into that, and I love it. They're, I mean, they're letting, what, Nat, uh, Mike Perry and uh, uh, Julian Lane. Fight. That's this yeah, weekend. Better fight ringside, like after a, you might have been right there as they're doing it, so you're screaming at each other. I and was. It, <laughs> yeah, they've had so many the girl fights that go on in there. They have oh, these, so good. Oh, and I I just love that that little extra bit of personality that that bare knuckle fighting is letting into their into their arena. Uh, and I I would love to do something. Actually, actually, I'm trying real hard to get my wife to fight Paige Van Zandt. Uh, uh, because my wife is a badass. She's been training with me for as long as I've been training. Uh, but she, you know, she's America's next top model. Uh, and she would whoop the shit out of Paige Van Zandt. Well, hey, man, 125 is our toughest weight class. We got a great fight coming up this weekend, man. man Knuckle Maiden, that's our biggest fight of the year. So uh, check it out if you get a chance. And uh, if you want, I'll put a good word in for your wife and we'll get her a fight sometime. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, please do. Please do. We, we, yeah, we, we've talked to him a couple times and it's just that. Uh, really? Yeah. All right. So this, this is what this is what happened. We talked to him a couple times, and they came back to us. My wife's pregnant right now. Uh, it's probably a bad time to fight. <laughs> we were not being pregnant because we thought it was gonna kind of happen, and then they went blank on us. Like, just do it on an unsanctioned 
venue, Chris. <laughs> Mike, come on. Well, then it's two on one. It's our advantage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, she might not make weight. She'll be over. <laughs> we're, we're due May, early May. And then okay. we're, it's still something that, uh, that we oh. really have happened maybe, maybe later this year. That's too cool, man. Yes. Well, hopefully no. I'll see you there, man. Well, I just yeah. thank you for your time, dude. Thank you for all the cool stories you had. Good You're guy. Throw back to the old school fighting style. I love it. So appreciate your time and have a good one, man. Hey, you guys too. Thank you so much. Yeah. You're good. Thanks, Sam. Hey, Mike. So we got Sam Alvey in the books and uh, another good one, man. You're, I mean, obviously, you know, we, you had a good rapport with the guy and the guy's easy to get along with. So just the, he was, Mike, he was smiling throughout the whole interview. I know. Here's the thing. Hey, Miguel, I'm going to need you to buy a ticket, a plane ticket to Russia, where you're going to fight somebody. But if you win, you get your money back. But if not, you know, you just, you're, you're out your cash. And we're not going to give you the opponent name until probably you're sitting in the, you know, in the ring waiting for him. Like, that. Well, if, you're, if you're offering that to me, I, I think I can find a guy that'll do it. <laughs> I mean, right. me, me, yeah, I don't, I don't even know if that's good for anybody. But <laughs> like, th that story alone, ladies and gentlemen, we, we always talk about 50 Fight Club members. All you got to do is dig back into our library and you're going to see 50 Fight Club member, 50 Fight Club member. We highlight that because, one, not a lot of people really use that terminology, but it's a special club. And in that special club, you know, we listed an interview. You've been ripped off by a promoter. You got a guy on your record that is, you know, at your pay-per-views is inviting his friends and family over so we can say, yeah, you know, as an amateur, I beat the guy. Um, it's just there's so many different things that are incredibly interesting in the career of a 55 Club member. And anytime we have him on here, you know it's going to be a fun listen. So, Sam, dude, that guy really, I mean, he's watching his kids, doing an interview. He really, really came through for us. Yeah, th thanks a bunch, Sam. Definitely a good one. And uh, Sam Alvey's in the books. Check out the full interview on iTunes, Spotify, and all major podcast platforms.